Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. An Erio's original. It really did take something as big as the Boston Marathon bombing to completely blow my life apart in every facet for me to start accepting myself for me. Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. This is the Margaret Cho. I'm so excited. Today we have a true uh, amazing hero. I, I mean, she's really amazing. Uh, Rebecca Gregory um, survived the Boston Marathon bombing um, uh, to do amazing things. Um, she is an author. She is a motivational speaker. She's a podcaster. She's just, I think, in the spirit of somebody who, you know, really can overcome something. She's overcome many, many different things. And, and so I am so excited to have her as a guest today. It's Rebecca Gregory. It's great to see you uh, two days in a row. <laughs> I know. It's good to see you again, too. Are you having a good day? Yes. Thank you for um, agreeing to be on my podcast now. And um, Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I enjoyed being on yours. Now, are you... Um, is this a, so? When I was on your podcast, did you do two different ones, or this was the same podcast that you did? Are you... Pain to Purpose is your different podcast, or it's your podcast, or that's your motto? So Pain of Purpose <laughs> is my podcast and it hasn't yes. released yet. It will be okay. uh, released in July. Okay. I was wondering if that was kind of, because that really is kind of your, um, it is like your mission statement though. It is like very yeah. much like a kind of, because it is kind of where we find, I mean, it, I think it's a really great kind of way to find our strength in life. It's like a really, it's a very perfect perfect way to encapsulate our journey. I mean, my journey too, yeah. you know? And what I, and I love the connection. I feel very connected to you, Margaret, because you used some of the worst pain of your life to bring laughter and joy to other people. And essentially that's what I've done without realizing I did it. My, I first started doing it because I wanted my son to look at this as something that, yes, it's a setback, but we're not going to lose our minds over it. And we're going to still enjoy ourselves and find the beauty in every day. And so it became that I was a robot mom and all of these other things. And it was just a way to make him feel better. And then it was healing for me. Right. I know that's, yeah. that's wonderful. And I think that's the, I mean, I think that's the point of stri strife and suffering. And I think that's probably the, the point of a lot of, 
you know, if you look at like, what is the meaning of life? And really, I think it, it's for us to find a purpose to our pain, yes. you know, and find meaning to our suffering and to, to learn from it. And even like, you know, whatever I think uh, religion anybody believes in, or if, even if they don't believe in a religion, most like religions have these lessons where we're transformed through suffering, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. everything, everything is learned through suffering. Well, and you have to have something to strive for. You have to believe in something no matter what it is because that's what keeps you going on the days that you feel like you're just completely going to give up. And I have a lot of those days where I feel like I want to throw my prosthetic leg across the room and never look at it again. But I know that in order to live my life and be there for my kids and my husband and all the people that depend on me, I've got to put a leg on every day. And I also use that Mm -hmm. as a way to say life is short. Right. It's very short. It's very short. And the more that we can embrace all of the difficult things, the better we can get along with it, get on with it. You know, it's it's really it's really important to um, look all of that that stuff that's really hard and look it right in the eye. And um, I think it's so important. Um, though I watched your uh, Today Show interview right before mm-hmm. we started. And I, I was so excited because I was like, wow, you got to do so many things right before you turn 30. It was like that interview <laughs> was like right before you turn 30. And it's it, it's really incredible because all of this stuff happened, you know, and that was like on the eve of turning 30. You know, by then you had all of this to write a book about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I was 12 years old, I made a promise to myself that I would publish a book one day and I didn't know what was Mm going to be in it. I just knew that writing was a form of therapy for me. I grew up in a very abusive home. My biological dad would come home and beat my mom and I, even though he was an evangelist preacher that traveled the world speaking of God's love. And he showed us a very different version of what that was. And I, I say all the time that trauma has been a part of my life ever since I can remember. So I had instances where I had health issues in school and I got in a car accident with a deer and I hit the deer and it came through my windshield. And when I woke up, I was staring a dead deer in the face with his antler lodged into my wrist and being Mm. cut out of the car by EMTs. And then six months before the Boston Marathon bombing, I got held up in a Walmart parking lot and robbed at gunpoint. So some people, their lives feel like they're over when something bad happens, but I've just been used to change my entire life. And I feel like it kind of led me up to deal with Boston a little bit better. Right. And you're just so, um, it, it's, it's amazing how unshakable through all of it, your faith has really been, you know, because a lot of that people really could say, use that as an as an excuse to really want to turn away from faith or turn away or just be so frustrated with the idea of a God or just to be so angry at everything, you know? I, I call myself kind of a messy Christian because I will never claim to have the answers, you know, and I, I don't think any of us will ever have answers until it's the end of our lives and we we see what it is. But 
in order for me to get through things, I have to believe that there's a bigger purpose for everything out there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I would have given up a long time ago. And I think back to the day of the bombing specifically. I was there. I was not running. People often think I was a runner at the Boston Marathon. And I joke that I was on the sidelines eating chocolate covered pretzels, wondering why anyone would run 26.2 miles for fun. And I had brought my five-year-old son to watch a friend of ours run. And so we had started out at the 17 mile marker. We made our way closer to the finish line. And all that to say, my son grew really bored. He was just constantly tugging at my clothes, asking when we were going to leave. And my thinking was I wanted to see our runner cross and I wanted to make sure he didn't get lost in the crowd. So I said, buddy, Mm -hmm. why don't you sit down on my feet and play in the rocks like you're a scientist? And there were no rocks. We were on asphalt, but luckily that was cool to him. So he took his place on my feet with his back up against my shins. And that's where my five-year-old son was when a bomb in a backpack went off three feet behind us. Now, mm. there's no rhyme or reason as to why he is still here. I, my body was able to shield him, but I had no idea that that's what was going to happen in that moment. And I've had 70 operations. I continue to have surgeries. I lost my leg below the knee. I have thousands of people, pieces of shrapnel still in my body. And my son got grazed mm. with two pieces, one on the back of his head that he has a little bald spot from and one on his leg that he has a scar. But that's it. He walked away from mm. something that should have killed him. So yeah. I, I can't feel sorry for myself because he's here and thriving. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's really unbelievable, you know, and I think that uh, what is powerful is that you actually shielded him from the blast. Like it's like that's what you were able to do, which is that is, you know, if anything, that's really God's grace. Like you were physically there to shield your baby from a bomb. I mean, that's amazing, you know? And it's like the the thing about it is, it it is like we were talking about before, it is perspective. You can look at this as sort of like, this is a horrible thing. Of course, yes, and it is a horrible thing. But the, the beautiful thing is that you're here now. You're fine. You're walking. You were able to go back and actually run it. (laughs) You actually ran the marathon this time you ran it and you were able to go back and, and have this triumph. But it's like you were able to go back and look this in the face, look all of this event and this this whole thing and go back to it. And it's it's really that's that's the triumph and the win, which is beautiful. To me, I just I couldn't let myself be defeated by it because my son needed a strong mom. He needed a mom mm-hmm. that was going to look at him and say, it's okay. And I, when I lost my leg, I lost my leg 18 months after it happened. They almost took my right leg and my left hand as well. But my left leg was the one in question. And I spent a year and a half on 37 different medications just to make it through the day. I was in a wheelchair or in the bed for 18 months of my life. I could do absolutely nothing. And I had to make the decision that I was going to amputate, that I was going to live my life in a completely different way. And I had no idea what that was going to look like, but I knew that I had to cut out what was essentially holding me back. And part of that meant I wanted to do everything on a fake leg that I didn't do on two real ones. And I went on to run the last portion of the Boston Marathon because two weeks prior, 
I had gotten up to 16 miles and I busted my entire leg open because I was doing too much too soon. So that's the stubborn Mm -hmm. part of me. But it's just this overwhelming desire to say, no matter what happens, I'm not going to give up. This is not going to get the best of me. Yeah. And that's great. I think that's what's really that's what's really incredible. Where do you think that comes from? Where do you draw that stubborn part? Is that just inherently in you or is that something that is I don't know, where where did where does that come from? I think it would be funny to ask my mom that question because she wonders where a lot of it comes from. She's very much an introvert and shy and she's like, I just don't know where you came from, but I wasn't (laughs) always this way. And I think it's important to touch on that because I was very shy and very awkward and I cared about what everyone thought of me at all times. I was a people pleaser. And I think a lot of that had to do with my abusive biological father because he made it out to be that I would never amount to anything and that I wasn't good enough. And it really did take something as big as the Boston Marathon bombing to completely blow my life apart in every facet for me to start accepting myself for me and loving myself for me. And that meant every part of it. And I had a conversation I'll never forget with my mom right after when I was getting a prosthetic leg. And she said, I understand that you've had to amputate and I hate that you've had to go through this, but I want you to get a cosmetic leg cosmetic leg that looks like a real leg because I want you to wear shorts. I want you to feel like a lady. And I know I don't want that part to be taken from you. And I just said, mom, and I took her hand and I said, this is not going to be what defines me. What defines Mm -hmm. me is everything that I go on to do after. And so I'm going to rock dresses as much as I can. And I'm going to paint my toes every two weeks because priorities, right? And I'm going to have as much fun with it as possible because there's so many things that happen that we cannot control and we can't change. We just can change our attitude about it. That's right. And I think that's the perfect lesson, too, is that we really need to just shift our attitude and our mind. And it's like so many of us, and it's especially women, we spend our lives never feeling like we're going to be enough. Like we feel like we're just not enough. Um, No matter where our bodies are, our minds are at, you know, it's like no matter what we bring to the table. We're just never enough. And so it's like a constant struggle to feel like we're enough the way that we are. And I think social media has really magnified that too, because there's so many filters and you want to look a certain way and act a certain way. And I think that's one of the most refreshing things about you, Margaret, is you're so unique and you stand by everything that you believe in. And that's really something that I respect a great deal because you've had to go against the grain and pave your own way. And you didn't know how to do that at first and you grew and you learned. And I think that's where I'm at. I feel like I've just grown and learned so much in the last several years that I'm, I'm glad to be at this point now on the other side. It's never going to be easy, but it's worth it every day. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. I think it is important, though. It is about growing up, and it's really kind of about um, being um, comfortable in your own skin and also feeling like you're all, we're, we're enough, like we're enough as we are, and we're enough in our being, like we're fine, like we're good. Like it's like we don't need anything to complete us. I think that like kind of like movies and TV and all the sort of media and like romance novels and things have really done a number on the way that we think like we need somebody else to complete us or these ideas of like things like we're not complete as we are, but we are, we're we're complete as we are. And it's a weird kind of thing of like um, thinking like, especially women, it's like women are always sort of in that kind of thing that we can't have it all just being on our own. And so it's a struggle. It's like always a struggle. And, um, you know, for me, it's like a bit, it's a journey of finding that peace. And I have a pretty big like spiritual life. Like I have a pre- I'm, a, I'm definitely a person of faith, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily like defined by um, a particular religion. I'm a spiritual person. I have a pretty intense meditation practice and that mm-hmm. helps me a lot. Um, do you, I mean, do you have that sort of a, uh, lifestyle? Do you have like a particular like meditation practice or what kind of things do you do to keep that center? I do. And the, the best part of all of this is I truly believe the worst pain of my life has brought me to my purpose. So after the bombing, I can talk all about physical, but the emotional is really what impacted us the most. It was everything that we saw that day. I was thrown to the ground. I could not lift anything except my head. And I'm looking around, panning everywhere. And I see people's body parts that are not even attached to them. Nails, ball bearings, BBs, everything that these brothers packed into these pressure cooker bombs. And my left leg was on fire. I was laying in a pool of my own blood. It was a war scene in every capacity. But I not only saw that, my five-year-old son saw that. And so the very the very first thing he said to me after I spent 56 days in the hospital and came home to my parents' house because I could no longer take care of myself, he was telling me, he said, don't worry, mom, we're never leaving this house again. And it broke my heart because I knew that all of the innocence that he should have at five years old was stripped away from him. And Mm -hmm. I say that because it led me to one of the most important Google searches of my life. I I was looking for help for not only him, but for me, because we were suffering with extreme PTSD. And Mm -hmm. what it allowed me to see, though, are all of the other children and families that were suffering through their own traumas. And so it began this research and just all of these different things to be put in place to form our organization of Rebecca's Angels, where we now provide mental health treatment, the funding for it, for families that weren't afforded the opportunity like Noah and I were. And that is so in itself, it gives me so much drive every single day because we are making a difference through what we've been through. And that's the the most that I could ever do with it, I think. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you guys like have like um, a different sort of events or do you have sort of like an outreach group or you do, how do you get, get sort of together and talk um do you talk about like different like is it from young people or is it just everybody gets involved in Rebecca's Angels? Yeah, it's for children and their families. So what we've seen and what I've experienced through my own life is there's a generational trauma. Now you you mm-hmm. look at something a child's gone through. For instance, we have a lot of lawnmower accidents because lawnmower accidents are the leading cause mm-hmm. of amputation in children. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. not only is the child affected, but the family is affected, whether it be abuse or divorce or a number of different traumas. And mm-hmm. so then what we do is we partner with, it's called accelerated resolution therapy that reprocesses your most traumatic memories in a number of sessions. And you can actually heal from the traumas of your life rather than cope and just deal with them. So we've seen tremendous success. We've only been established since 2018 and we've helped over a hundred families receive treatment. And it's just been really, really amazing. Oh, that's incredible. That's really incredible. I think that's really, I mean, that's, that's really, really important. And that's really, I mean, because it is like a family issue. And what a great thing to be able to go in and help kids with it. I think that like, for me, like if I had been able to have that when I was growing up, it would have been such a benefit, you know, like I I ended up going to my uh, therapy with my family, but we were, I think it was like, it wasn't until I was well into my 30s and it was just way too late. For us. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, they tried, but it was very hard for, uh, you know, like it's it was hard because like for Asian families to go to therapy, it takes a lot, you know, like it was it's very hard for immigrants to accept any kind of form of like mental health, like treatment, you know, mm-hmm. for like especially like Asians who are so distrustful, any sort of like mental health kind of like anything. Um, And my family has a pretty long history of like mental health issues and like depression and alcoholism and stuff. But in Korea, there aren't any sorts of resources for that, especially like in the fifties and sixties, they just didn't have anything. The only kinds of treatment they would have is if you were really like suicidal they would just put you away in like a hospital yeah you know for a long long time and then um you know just so that you were out of sight so there was not a sense of like anybody having like therapy to get better or anything so any kind of approach towards like mental wellness is really looked at with a lot of suspicion and fear because the only thing of like oh well you're just going to put us away then you know or something and so, like, uh, the idea of, like, being put in um, a facility is is kind of put, kind of, like, a, with a, like, approach with a lot of shame and fear and, you know, um, like, there's a lot of uh, stigma attached to it. So, when my, I took my parents to therapy, they were just, like, really scared that I was going to leave them there. it's so sad I'm like no we're not gonna stay here like oh no 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 I'm like no don't worry about it we're not gonna stay here it's okay we'll go we'll take separate cars okay okay 
you know, but they're really scared. Oh my goodness. It, it's just, it's really incredible because I think, um, I'm, I'm proud of how far we've come in terms of mental health, but I still think that we have a long way to go. And I've been trying to be an advocate for it for the last seven years because, you know, my, my mental health issues rather in, and trauma didn't just start with the Boston Marathon bombing, as I was telling you. And when I sat down at a therapist's office, I was like, I need help. I need to fix whatever's going on. I was in emotionally abusive relationships and just all of these different things were happening. And I knew that it was a result of my childhood trauma. And the more mm-hmm. that I looked into it and studied psychology and all of these other things, I... I realized that I was using my experiences, my own pain to hopefully help other people not have to go through the same amount. Because I'm like you, if I would have had this as a child, I think that a lot of my decisions later on as an adult would be very, very different. <laughs> yes. It's it's interesting how we're so affected by our our childhood, sort of like the, the emotional maps that are sort of written by our are like kind of like our family dynamics and then mm-hmm. you you know you end up replicating them but in almost in unexpected ways like I always thought that um it was always in our romantic relationships that that played out but actually it ended up happening a lot in my friendships which was really unexpected like I would make friends with people who were very toxic and then I didn't yes. realize the impact until years later uh, and then I would have to stop being friends with these people who were really damaging in my life, but I did, they weren't romantic partners. So I didn't recognize the damage until kind of way too late. It's really weird. Like, and I think people don't realize the damage of toxic friendships until much later, but that's part of it too. I'm glad that you touched on that because that's a lesson I feel like I've been learning the past couple of years. And it's hard because it, mm-hmm. it's so hard to let some of those things go, especially people that have been in your life forever. But you do have to create a peace in your own life and your own well-being. And I think it goes back to what you were saying. Do I practice meditation or anything like that? I really am mindful a lot of, of who I am, what, what I'm portraying and just how I am overall emotionally every day. I wake up and I immediately look at the things that I'm thankful for, whether that be writing it down in a journal or just saying it out loud, because what we, what our minds focus on is what we attract. And I believe that. And it's scientifically proven that if you look at the positive things in your life, then you are going to see more positive things. And I call it counting my blessings instead of my problems, because problems are always going to be there. But if you look at the beauty and you see that more then that's going to, it's going to win every time. Right. That's, I mean, that's exactly the, the right thing. It's the joyous things that really I think that, that that really are important to focus on I mean that's what I try to do as well and it's always better to do that and um but yeah I do try to safeguard uh kind of in the different areas of my life where I have vulnerabilities and I do get it I do get attracted to toxicity sometimes mm-hmm. in people and then I have to like curb those tendencies which is weird it's like I'm attracted to people that will be detrimental um and I know that it's just because I'm used to being abusive being abused in those ways it's weird it's very strange it's like abuse comes in different forms and it's almost in sort of like a a way that I didn't (laughs) 
expect. It's so strange. It does. Are you a fixer? Because I'm a fixer. I want to just make everyone happy and take away all their problems. (laughs) Yeah. And then I feel guilt. Like I feel guilty. I think also I just feel bad. So I just want everything to be okay. Or just, I'm like a conflict resolver and I'm problem solver. Or like, I'm just, I think it's more, um, like, uh, I, I just don't want people to fight. And so I sort of like insert myself in when I shouldn't be and all sorts of different kinds of things. But there's all these different things that I don't need to be doing. And it's almost like I'll bend over backwards to really sort of please something or like fix something that I don't need to do. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Or I'll be worrying about something that I don't have any business worrying about. And it's like really a strange thing of like, why did I insert myself into this problem where I don't belong? I'm crazy. <laughs> it's, it's so easy to do, though, until you're in the it middle is. of it. You're like, ah, let me out. It's so crazy. But it's it's really funny when you can extract yourself and then look back and be like, oh, wow, you know, I did that to myself completely. But it's yep. like a, it's like more the more that we learn about ourselves, like the, the better off we are. That's why I really love um, meditation, because it just pulls you out of it. And then you can sort of yes. wash your whole like wash it all away. And it feels so much better better. I love it too. And I was trying yoga for a little while and I'll do just regular yoga, but I try to do hot yoga and hot Mm -hmm. yoga plus an amputated leg is not a good idea because my prosthetic was Mm. trying to fall off and I felt like I was going to pass out. And I'm like, okay, this is not for me. (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard. I mean, it's it's all hard, but it's, yeah, that would be hard to do. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's very challenging in any re- way you try to do it, but that, that'd be really, really hard. <laughs> I think well, it's very, all... try You tried. <laughs> I did that. I tried. There you go. I can chalk it up to that, good. but very we good. all have problems that we go through. I like, I think about it and the majority of us will never get blown up by a bomb at a marathon, but everyone has life mm-hmm. up in their face and you've had so many different things happen to you too. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically when I was in the courtroom because I had to go back and testify at the trial of the remaining bomber. And interestingly enough, the U.S. attorney and the FBI agent came to my hospital room right after my amputation to tell me that I had to go back to Boston and testify. So I'm like Mm. sitting here, just got my leg chopped off, and now I've got to focus and wrap my head around the test, the trial. And it was just really crazy. I'm like, whose life yeah. is this? Yeah. And I, I went back and I gave my testimony and I sat maybe five feet away from the biggest enemy of my life. And I tried to look at him in the eyes and he would never look at me. But the U.S. attorney called me back to Boston and they said, we need you to give a victim impact statement. And I had to Google, I'm going to be honest, I had to Google what a victim impact statement was because I had never mm-hmm. even been part of a federal trial before. Yeah. And what it yeah. meant yeah, was the, what the uh, jury and the judge were going to read before the final verdict. And so I thought about it for a long time. And I said, I don't want to give this guy any more satisfaction than what he already has. Because I had watched him lean back in the courtroom, lean back in his chair and fiddle with his pencil. And his, his attorney was rubbing his back and he was cracking jokes. Wouldn't acknowledge the jury on one Mm -hmm. of the first couple of days of the trial. And so I stood up there 
And I gave the statement and I looked him in the eye for the first time. And he looked at me and I said, I was asked to give a victim impact statement today. But in order to do that, I would have to be someone's victim. And I'm not yours and I'm not your brother's. And I went on to say that one act of hate that stretched a couple hundred feet, I've seen an act of love that stretched hundreds of thousands of miles. And it was my personal promise to him that I was going to do everything I could with the rest of my life to do my part in making the world a better place. And Hmm. I look at that every single day. And it doesn't matter how many surgeries I still have or the struggles that I still face. I think back to that promise and I think about if I were to give up, then I would be letting those two brothers win. And I can't do that. And we can choose to just survive our lives or we can live. And I feel like I'm living in a way that I never have before. Yeah. Well, that's really amazing. That's that's the best lesson and that is the best I mean and that is the best way to live and that is truly that's truly inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. You're the best. You're the best. Yeah. I'm so excited. You're the best. <laughs> you're the best. Um where can people find uh out what you're doing and what's your what's your um what's your social media stuff and where your podcast is at and where can people find you online? So you can find me at RebeccaMGregory.com and all of my social media handles are RebeccaMGregory as well. And my new podcast is called Pain to Purpose. It's taking over my dreams, waking me out of my sleep. I think I'm coming apart. The Margaret Show is an Erios production with editing by Tracy Levy and original music by Garrison Starr. Never miss an episode of The Margaret Show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.